Hello, ladies. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Trisha, and I'm delighted to have you here with us today. On our episode, we are going to talk about magnesium, and why we're going to talk about that is that as we start to age, especially over the age of 40, whether you are pregnant or you're premenopausal, or you are in a space that you are menopausal, our bodies are undergoing significant hormonal fluctuations and changes. And these changes may be associated with an increased need for some vitamins, minerals, and some nutrients. And so I wanted to talk about one of those minerals, which is magnesium. Magnesium is involved in like 300 chemical reactions in our body. And so if we are magnesium deficient, then there are some consequences to that. One of some of the few things that magnesium is responsible for in our body is muscle and nerve function, energy production. A really big one is bone health. So we need to make sure that we have magnesium in order to keep our bones healthy. And also it's important for maintaining um, heart health. And so that's why I wanted to have this conversation about magnesium today. I am somebody who always believes in eating foods that have these things in them. So I'm a big proponent of eating foods rich in magnesium to decrease your need in supplementation. However, I also struggle with anxiety and Um, insomnia and just restless legs and all of this at nighttime. So I decided to take some magnesium or I'm testing magnesium right now. And so I wanted to kind of talk to you about magnesium as I've been learning about magnesium and I wanted to kind of see if magnesium is something that you need to do in terms of eating or supplement or if you are already taking things that have magnesium, I just thought it was probably worth a conversation. And so today in our episode, we are going to talk about what magnesium does, why it's important for women, um, some diseases that have been associated with a low magnesium, and just really talking you through some sources of magnesium, magnesium supplements, and then trying to figure out if for you you are getting enough magnesium or if you need to supplement or if you're somebody who's already getting a lot of magnesium. So it's just worth a conversation, I think. So as we talk about magnesium, we're going to talk about why as women we require magnesium, which is usually how we get it is how we eat. And so what has been shown about magnesium is that as women, we approach this place of being premenopausal or menopausal, you can experience a lot of different symptoms. Um, A lot of these symptoms are associated with hormonal changes or hormonal fluctuations. And in particular, especially as you get close to menopause, a decline in estrogen. And some of the common symptoms that we hear women complain about, or you yourself may have complained about, may be symptoms that also um, are associated with magnesium. So some of the common, or one of the most common symptoms that we hear about is hot flashes and night sweats. Other ones are mood swings, anxiety, maybe having insomnia, um, muscle cramps, joint pain, restless legs, or even bone health concerns. 
I have a freebie that that I'll leave in the show notes that if you haven't signed up for, you should. It's pretty great, I think. And it's basically talks about some of the things that you can do today to keep you healthy for tomorrow. And one of those things is bone health. And what we know about bone health is that magnesium is important for maintaining bone health. Some of the other things that magnesium is important to do is that magnesium helps keep a balance in our hormones. So if we're going through perimenopause or menopause and we have fluctuating hormone levels, magnesium is important in our body because it helps maintain that hormonal balance and it will help making sure that you have like less of those fluctuating hormones or at least a smoother transition with hormones as you get into menopause. Um, It helps mitigate mood swings or if you find yourself irritable when you are in menopause, magnesium is something in your body that helps with that. Some of the other things that magnesium as a, as a, as a mineral helps with in your body is for women who complain about hot flashes and night sweats. Magnesium is something that has been associated with reducing the frequency of hot flashes or even the intensity of it. We know that magnesium, having adequate magnesium helps with relaxation and calmness And it also has been associated with mood, so helping with anxiety and depression. And it's been associated with bone health. That's a really big one, like I just said. Um, Magnesium is essential for bone health. And you need magnesium in your body to help with calcium absorption. And therefore, it helps support bone health and bone density. As we age and we go through menopause, those hormonal fluctuations increase our risk of osteoporosis. So getting adequate magnesium is helpful to decrease your risk of osteoporosis. It's also associated magnesium with helping with muscle and joint health. We know that one of the things that women experience during menopause is muscle cramps and joint pain. And especially as women get into or or really progress into menopause. And so magnesium has a role in helping relax your muscle and alleviate those discomforts. So that's why magnesium is important. Although there are many other functions that magnesium does, these are some of the things that magnesium may play an impact in your role today, according to where you are in your Um, menopause journey, whether you're pregnant or breastfeeding or premenopausal or menopausal. Low magnesium has been associated with an increased risk of the following diseases. It's been associated with an increased risk of diabetes. Low magnesium has been associated with with an increased risk of heart disease, migraines, osteoporosis, which we've just talked about, you need to make sure that you have enough magnesium for calcium absorption. And if you don't, then that can increase your risk of osteoporosis. And then some recent studies suggest that having low magnesium may increase inflammation in your body. So let's talk about magnesium and let's talk about magnesium levels and trying to assess if you're deficient. 
So some of the, usually how we decide if somebody is magnesium deficient is based on, I feel like it's probably based on your symptoms. Magnesium is probably something that if you're taking magnesium, you may have looked at a list of things with magnesium deficiency, some symptoms, and just decided that you were deficient. Magnesium is something that we can test for, but it's not always accurate. And so I have told you before that I work in a dialysis clinic, and so bone health is very important. And so we do check magnesium levels of patients, but as in doing this research, it's so interesting because serum levels, so getting your blood work of magnesium, may not be reflective of what is actually happening in your body. So one of the reasons is, is that magnesium is a mineral and it's found mostly in our bones. And so about 60% of the magnesium that is stored in our body is stored in our bones. Some of it's stored in our soft tissue, but the way that we usually test for magnesium is in our serum, right? Or our blood. That's how you find out. Well, only about 1% of the, the, the magnesium in our body is actually in our serum or in our blood. Again, because most of it, the majority of it is in your bones and there's not, you know, nobody's going to go in and test your bones to see if you're magnesium deficient. And so since only 1% is in your blood, when you're getting your magnesium levels drawn in your blood, it's difficult to access, to assess what your, your level of your magnesium is because your blood draw is happening in your serum blood, which is where the least amount of magnesium is found in your body. And so there's some thought that there is probably not very much correlation of what's happening in terms of your total magnesium stores because it's your you, the blood draw is happening in your serum and not in your bones. And so typically, you know, even though you may feel like you're deficient, you may show up in some blood work that your magnesium levels are different than what you actually feel because, you know, it's being taken from your serum and not from, and your serum only has such a tiny amount of the whole magnesium that's in your body. Some symptoms that people talk about when they feel like they may be magnesium deficient would be like anxiety, trouble sleeping, insomnia, low blood pressure is one, and restless legs. And there's other um, symptoms too, but these are kind of the most common. And so when we talk about magnesium, we're really trying to think about like, like what do you need in terms of magnesium in a day? Well, most people need for women anyway, need an an amount of about 320 milligrams of magnesium a day. And men, typically because they tend to be larger, need more. They need 420 milligrams a day. And so what we found for magnesium, especially if you're over 40, is that your requirement is about 320 milligrams per day of magnesium. Now, to put that in context for you, I was looking at my multivitamin and my multivitamin gives me about 40 milligrams of magnesium a day and my recommended amount is 320 milligrams per day. And so now if you're like, okay, how are you going to get the rest of your magnesium? Well, we're going to talk about that. Typical foods that magnesium is found in 
are green leafy veggies. Typically spinach is something that has a pretty high magnesium content. Legumes. So if you're somebody who eats a lot of uh, like edamame or black and kidney beans, you're probably somebody who's getting magnesium from those foods. Other foods that have a high amount of magnesium are nuts. So almonds, cashew, peanuts, peanut butter, they're all associated with high magnesium levels. Interestingly enough, if you are somebody who has high blood pressure, or if you've followed the DASH, D-A-S-H diet to lower your blood pressure, one of the things that is really helpful that they found in those studies was that people that ate a lot of nuts, which were associated and recommended in that DASH diet, were able to reduce their blood pressure, right? That's why people are on the DASH diet to help reduce blood pressure. And so nuts, one of the reasons why it was able to lower blood pressure is that it had a higher proportion of magnesium and also potassium. So if you're somebody who has high blood pressure, you can go back and listen to I did a podcast episode, which I can leave in the show notes, about the the DASH diet. And so one of the 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 one of the the big things in that diet was the nuts because of its magnesium content. And so it applies here too. That magnesium is going to be really helpful because of its or nuts is going to be really helpful because of its high concentration of magnesium. Other places where you can find magnesium is in seeds. So if you're somebody who likes to consume chia seeds or pumpkin seeds, you're probably getting magnesium. If you're somebody who eats whole grains, such as oatmeal or other whole grain breads, magnesium is found there. If you're somebody who eats cereals, so most cereals are fortified with lots of different vitamins and minerals, and magnesium is something that is fortified and usually found in cereals that are fortified. And then other places where magnesium is found is in soy milk. So they're all the really main sources of getting magnesium into your diet. So now that we're talking about that, let's talk about who is at risk for magnesium deficiency. So we know that we need about 320 milligrams of magnesium a day. We know some of the foods that have magnesium in them, but who is at risk for being deficient in magnesium? So firstly, if you are somebody who has a GI disorder, so if you are somebody who has chronic diarrhea, who maybe has any disease that's associated with chronic diarrhea, that could be colitis or Crohn's or gastroenteritis, or you could be somebody who has some kind of gluten sensitivity and you have chronic diarrhea. If you're somebody who has any surgery on your small bowel, where you're going to have a decreased risk of absorption of magnesium, you're going to be at risk. So if you're if you have a GI disease, we know that people that have chronic diarrhea tend to also be low in magnesium, and we know that if you've had a resection or any kind of surgery on your small bowel, there may be a, a decrease in absorption of magnesium, so you could be somebody who's at risk. What they've also found is that people who have diabetes may lose some magnesium when they're peeing or urinating, 
And so you may require more magnesium than you otherwise would. And we know that diets that are higher in magnesium or at least have adequate magnesium have those people who eat probably like that are eating nuts and things that are high magnesium have a lower risk of diabetes in general. If you're somebody who abuses alcohol, which, you know, if you're drinking a lot more frequently than you'd like to admit, we know that there is a decreased risk or there is more of a risk for you of being um, deficient in magnesium. And that could be a variety of reasons. That could be that you might be having diarrhea or some GI symptoms related to drinking alcohol, or it might just be that you your intake of other foods isn't that great because alcohol is taking the majority of the nutrition. If you are an older adult, you could have problems with magnesium absorption. You may have a disease that interferes with um, magnesium or you may have medications that you lose magnesium through. And we'll talk about that too. So you may be someone who is at risk for a magnesium deficiency. If you are a pregnant woman, a pregnant woman, you may also be at risk for magnesium deficiency. I suspect probably, and I didn't look this up, but I suspect probably the prenatal vitamins account for that magnesium deficiency. If you're somebody who has or drinks too much coffee or soda or alcohol, which we talked about, you could also be somebody who is at risk for a magnesium deficiency. Now, in addition to a deficiency, you're also going to have people who can have too much magnesium. And that's not usually like caused by food. It's typically caused by consuming things like um, antacid and laxatives. So if you're somebody who is who does a lot of Tums, you could be somebody who has a high magnesium because the Tums is going to have magnesium in it. Also, there are also some Tums that have no magnesium, but if just kind of be aware of that. If there's somebody who's like popping Tums, you could be somebody who is getting magnesium in that capacity. So you may not be getting it from food. You may be getting it from some of your Tums that you're eating. Also, if you're somebody who's doing laxatives, so laxatives can come in the form of milk of magnesia or something like that. So it has magnesium in it. So that could be a way that you are having more magnesium than you need and you may have a lot of magnesium um, or more magnesium or high magnesium in your body. Um, usually if people are having a lot of magnesium, there is some kind of side effect and that side effect is typically diarrhea. Since we're talking about some of what like interferes with magnesium, I want to talk a little bit more about some medications too. So we talked about how antacids and laxatives can increase or cause high magnesium, but there's also some medications that may interfere with magnesium absorption. So one of the more common ones is diuretics. So if you are somebody who is, and it really depends on the kind of diuretics. So I'm not a pharmacist. I'm not a doctor that I'm, I don't just, I don't prescribe these things, but there are different kinds of diuretics and there's some diuretics that may hold on to potassium and magnesium. And there's other diuretics where you would lose potassium and magnesium in your urine. 
And so if you're on Lasix or furosemide or Bumex, this is these are some of the diuretics that you can actually lose magnesium. And so it's not uncommon for people who are on diuretics, which are also known as water pills, to be on some kind of like potassium supplement or magnesium supplement, because we know that being on these diuretics can cause a low potassium or a low magnesium. And so you may be already prescribed those or your doctor may be monitoring that. Um, to see if you are magnesium deficient because you are on um, a diuretic or a water pill. Another medication would be um, a proton pump inhibitor. So they're usually referred to as PPIs, and this could be if you're on Nexium or Prevacid. And typically, this isn't like if you're on these products for a long, for like a short time. It usually tends to be a longer period. And the research really shows that if you're on Nexium or Prevacid for longer than a year, you may be somebody who is at risk for having lower magnesium levels just because of the medication itself. And so again, there are different things that are going to interfere with magnesium in your body, regardless of how much you're taking in. And medications is definitely one of those things. Um Again, I think it's 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 important to know that it's likely safe to take magnesium, um, you know, but our body is hopefully going to excrete any amounts that are that are harmful to us or that are really high. Again, if you are somebody who's taking high amounts of um, magnesium, you may notice that you're having a lot of diarrhea. And one of the other things is that. If you are somebody who is, so one of the other ways that we get rid of magnesium, if we have too much or we're consuming too much is for, is through your urine. So if you're somebody who is having not that much urine output, so say you have some kind of kidney disease or you are on dialysis, you would probably want to be really careful in terms of what you're taking magnesium wise, because how would you get rid of it? Um, you know, if you are unable to urinate. And so kind of just thinking about that too. Um, in terms of other medications that may interfere with magnesium, I would touch base with your doctor if you're on any like medications related to osteoporosis like Fosamax. We, there may be some decreased absorption um, with, with taking magnesium, especially magnesium supplements. And so we're going to kind of get into supplements now because I wanted to talk about that because magnesium from food is different than magnesium in supplements, right? When we eat magnesium in food, our body does a really good job of trying to figure out like what it needs and then it gets rid of what it doesn't need. And supplements are different and supplements usually come in higher doses and supplements may interfere with some of the medications you're taking as in the Fosamax, which we'll review again too. So when it comes to magnesium supplementation, there's a whole bunch out there, um, but but usually the two forms that you'll hear most about is magnesium citrate and magnesium um, glycinate. And absorption really depends on which one you take, and it depends on 
other supplements that you may be taking, or it just depends on what's happening with you. So magnesium citrate has been one of those um, supplements that people take, especially if they're somebody who has constipation. So magnesium citrate is it, or can cause diarrhea. So usually magnesium citrate is something that people take when they have a history of constipation because it kind of helps them go. Magnesium glycinate is easily absorbed. And this is usually the one that will be treated that usually people take with like um, to treat like anxiety, depression, insomnia, things like that. Magnesium glycinate is the one that I take. Um, but again, it really depends on what your preference is. Some of the supplements out there as of today, which is the day this will be dropped is August 17, 2023. Some of the, the supplements I think are recommended are like the Thorn brand supplements and the Now brand supplements. Both of those, I believe, come in magnesium glycinate. So if you feel like you are somebody who needs a magnesium supplement, I would kind of look at the reason why you need the magnesium supplement and kind of take according to that. So if you are somebody who is taking a magnesium supplement to help with anxiety or insomnia, you perhaps may need the glycinate version of it, as opposed to someone who is chronically constipated and they feel like they need a magnesium supplement, the citrate form may be better for you because it may help with constipation. One of the things that when we talk about supplementation is that if you're taking a magnesium supplement, you want to look at any other supplements that you're taking as well. So remember in deciding if you need a supplement that if you're also taking a multivitamin, that that multivitamin is going to have some magnesium in it. And so I would check the label to see how much magnesium is in that product already. If you are somebody who takes zinc, we know that high levels of zinc, especially in the supplement form, is going to interfere with magnesium absorption. So most times people are taking zinc is they're usually taking it for, I think some people take it for like if they're afraid they're going to get sick. If you're somebody who's like has wounds, that's another reason why you would take zinc. If you're somebody who has chronic diarrhea, then you could also be taking zinc because of that. Um, and so we know that levels of zinc in the like five to 10 milligram range is okay when it comes to also taking magnesium supplementation, depending on what else is happening in your body. Um, but really high doses, especially above 10 milligrams of zinc in a supplement form. So this isn't what you're eating. This is a supplement that if you're also taking magnesium and you're taking high levels of zinc, they tend to interfere with each other. And specifically, it's going to interfere with your magnesium absorption. We talked about Fosamax, and I'll just reiterate this, that the Fosamax, you would want to talk to your doctor if you decide to take a, um, a magnesium supplement because it may decrease the absorption or interfere with the absorption of the Fosamax. So a lot of these medications, I think this is where it gets tricky, is that anytime you take an, an over-the-counter supplement, you want to discuss it with your doctor so that they can try to figure out if there's any if there's any like 
absorption interferences that can happen because a lot of time what happens is, is I think we're so used to taking supplements and we don't tell anybody, but we do know that some supplements will interfere with, with some of the medications that you're on. And so Fosamax and taking magnesium supplementations may interfere with each other. Typically what that interference could do is that they would have you time your medications differently. So, you know, if you're somebody who is on Fosamax and also feeling like you need um, a magnesium supplement or currently taking a magnesium supplement, some of the things that they do is they will time your Fosamax so that you're not taking your magnesium supplement two hours before and after you take that magnesium supplement. Another one that interferes with magnesium is antibiotics. So we know that antibiotics are really important and you want to make sure that you can increase the effectiveness of that antibiotic. But magnesium has or may have an effect on the absorption of the antibiotic. And so that's also another one that needs to be timed if you're going to take an antibiotic and also take a magnesium supplement. The supplement and the um, antibiotic needs to be timed that they're like a few hours before and after you're taking each of them so that you can maximize maximize absor- absorption of each of them. And so, you know, when it comes to magnesium supplementation or when it comes to any supplement at all, I'm always going to tell you to speak to your doctor and um, and make sure that they know that what supplements you're taking so that they can figure out if it's if it's interfering with any of your medications. And that's also why I recommend you to try to eat magnesium in food because we know that food tends to be safer because food is regulated and food is absorbed differently. And the doses that you may take in supplementation may be very different than what you would take when you would eat. And some of those supplement doses may be higher. And again, like for supplement reasons, our what we need in a day for women is 320 milligrams of um, magnesium. And so if you're taking mega doses of magnesium, especially if it's over that concentration of 320, I mean, you probably want to be really careful, even though it seems that supplementation, um, you know, is helpful. Just make sure that you don't overdo what you need in terms of your, your daily allowance or the daily amount that you need. And so that's why for me, I always recommend taking the food first. And then kind of, if you feel like you're having symptoms and you feel like magnesium may help, then doing, going the route of magnesium supplementation. And so for you, I don't know if you need a magnesium supplement, um, but what I would say to you is that I would look to see if you're somebody who's high risk for a magnesium deficiency, if you're somebody who has GI disorders, diabetes, alcohol abuse, if you're older, if you're pregnant, if you're someone who drinks a lot of coffee, soda, alcohol, Um, if you are somebody who is taking diuretics or maybe you're on chronic Nexium or Prevacid, you may be somebody who would benefit from taking a magnesium supplement, especially if you feel like you are having symptoms. But I also want you to be aware that you can get some magnesium from your food, such as your green leafy veggies, your legumes, your nuts, and also your whole grains. And so 
you know, kind of looking at that to see if there's a way that you can increase those food items to make sure that you're getting enough magnesium. Um, if you decide that you're somebody that you want to take a magnesium supplement, then again, looking at all of the things that you're eating and seeing where your other sources of magnesium is coming from, making sure that you're not getting too much magnesium from your antacid and your laxatives and making sure that you're talking with your doctor so that none of your other medications would interfere with your magnesium supplement. And so really trying to figure out what works best for you is kind of what this comes down to. I feel like that's what we always talk about is, you know, when it comes to nutrition, it's not a one size fits all solution. Everybody eats differently. Everybody takes different medications. And so you will know what is best for you. And, you know, if you are worried about if you need magnesium, you would probably also speak to your physician to see if a magnesium supplement is, is good for you. So you will need to decide if taking a magnesium supplement works for your life while also looking at all the things that you're eating and the medications that you take and the -the over-the-counter supplements that you take. And then remembering that not to take mega doses of um, magnesium and that if you're somebody who isn't peeing or has a decreased urine output or has some kind of chronic kidney disease, that magnesium supplementation may not be the way to go. So if you have any questions about magnesium, you know, you can always reach out to me on Instagram. I'm, I'm at, at Whole Health Empower, and I have all that information in the show notes. And then also you can email me at info at trishard.com. So I look forward to seeing you guys back here next week. And I thank you so much for listening. Have a good week, guys.